A little aloha around the world and breakfast with Bob. Thank you, Pancho Man. Welcome, everybody. Breakfast with Bob, not quite Cohen edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by Hookah One One Master Spas, Clash USA. You can hyper ace premium plus sports form goggles, and of course, our challenged athletes foundation. We just sent out 5.1 million dollars to help supplied 3,038 grants to athletes in 43 countries around the world. Our next guest had one of the most dominant performances in history at Ironman 70.3 this last weekend in St. George to win her first world championship title. Lucy Charles Barkley joins us. How are you, Lucy? Uh, Hey, Bob. Yeah, it's really great to talk to you. I'm so good. It feels so good to be world champion finally. Um, I'm definitely exhausted, but I'm still on cloud nine for sure. So it's not often that somebody has the best swim, bike and run. That goes back to like early Dave Scott era where somebody dominates the entire day. Uh, but just watching how dedicated you were to your training this last couple months leading in, did, did you expect that type of performance out of yourself? Oh, I'm never really like 100% sure how any race is going to go, but I definitely knew that training had been pointing in the right direction. I was fully focused on Kona. That was the ultimate goal. And when that got postponed, I was like, well, I guess 70.3 Worlds is going to become the A race. So I kind of switched up my training a little bit, shortened it down and just was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to try and go and get the world title at the 70.3 um, and I, I definitely was confident that I was in good shape. We'd had a few ups and downs with illness and different things. But by the time I'd actually got into St. George and a couple of days before the race, I was feeling good. And I was like, is this going to be the day where I can finally pull it off? Um, and obviously it was, but you never know what any other athlete's going to do or what performance they're going to put down. So I was just like, I've got to just focus on myself throughout the day and just see what happens. So we, we saw you uh, during the run and all of a sudden the skies opened up and <laughs> it was pouring, it was hailing, it was lightning, it was thunder. The main thing was the downhills were so steep. I was worried someone was going to go down. Were you worried about that? <laughs> it was like right around mile six where you guys came around the corner. It was like, oh my God, it's like you're ice skating here. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy and I was definitely... I'd got off the bike and I'd started running and it, it looked like I could see the skies getting darker as I was coming towards the end of the bike. And I was like, Oh God, like what's happening over there? Like, is there going to be a storm coming in? Um, and I remember getting on the run and I was starting to do the uphill section and I could feel the rain coming in and I could see all the age groupers on their bikes. And I was like, I'm so happy I'm on the run right now. But um, yeah, I definitely, I've fallen over a few times in races before, actually, when it hasn't been wet or slippery, I've still managed it. So, um, I definitely was like, you know what, I've got enough of a lead. I don't need to go crazy on these downhills. I just need to manage it. And there was people shouting at me going, just let gravity do its thing. It will pull you down. And I was like, no, no, no. If I do that, I'm going to fall over. So I still need to like hold back a tiny bit. Um, particularly on that first lap, I was like, let's learn the downhill on the first lap. And then if for whatever reason you need to pick it up on the second lap, then at least you know what's coming. So it was definitely more of a controlled effort down the hill just to make sure that I didn't fall over. 
Yeah, you can't let it go. And it's funny, you can run it in training, but it's just a different gig. You've been running it when it's dry. And now all of a sudden it's it's wet and it's not just wet on a straight downhill. You're coming around a corner. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could, anyone who saw me, I had like my arms out to the side. I was like, felt like I was just like trying to fly down the hill, but definitely controlled, particularly when you have like the white lines, which get extra slippery and it went round on the bend, like you said. So yeah, it was just about managing that and making sure that I did everything right so that I could get to the finish line in one piece. So we were chatting the other night with Dave Scott, and he was saying that that you obviously been doing a lot of weight work, and it, and it looks like it's made a big difference. You're you're not that you've ever had an issue, but you're probably as lean as you've ever been, at least in the in the sport of triathlon. Did you feel the weight training has made a big difference for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate as an athlete that in my swimming background, we used to do Olympic lifting in the gym twice a week. So I feel like I'm very confident in the gym. Um, I was a personal trainer when I first started out in triathlon. So I feel very confident around the gym. It's definitely like my happy place. I know some athletes don't want to go to the gym. They don't enjoy it. But I actually really love going to the gym. Like I, I'm very into CrossFit and things like that as well. So I do enjoy making up exercises getting creative with what I'm doing and even when we were here in Cedar City I didn't actually go to a gym but I'd made a whole gym program out of what we had here that I could just do on the balcony here so uh, it's definitely something I enjoy and I always have tried to work on my weaknesses to try and make them as strong as possible so it definitely from the biggest kind of most positive aspect I guess is that it just reduces the chance of injury but definitely on a course like St. George, where there's so much elevation on that run, right. actually it's more it's more important to be strong than it is to be a fast runner. You need to be a strong runner. So I definitely knew that that may play into my favor just from the amount of lifting I'd done. Um, and definitely on terms of like how lean I've been this year, I think like um, – I think it must have been just before the European 70.3 championships, I made a huge change to my diet. So I found out I was actually intolerant to a large amount of food. So I cut them all out um, and I definitely leaned up, but we actually think a lot of that was water retention. So as an athlete, I used to really suffer with joint pain whenever I would do a really hard workout or after a race, all of my joints would seize up and I would be in agony. Um, and actually, since I've changed my diet, I have not experienced this at all. So um, it's been a massive change, but it, it feels like it's been a hugely positive change as well. What have you eliminated? So I've eliminated all dairy. Um, I eliminated eggs as well as intolerant to them. I was intolerant to beef, uh, whey protein, which is something I would always have after sessions. I actually, it turned out I was intolerant to it. Um, things like cheese, the all things that I love to eat, I was intolerant <laughs> to. So it was a bit of, I was like devastated to begin with because like one of my favorite foods is like uh, gluten was another thing I was intolerant to. So like one of my favorite meals is like poached eggs on toast. Yes. Um, so yeah, I had to cut that out. So, but it is made a big change and it has been a big positive change as well. So um, yeah, I feel the strongest I've ever been, even though I, I probably look leaner. I definitely, my weight is actually exactly the same. So I feel like I've maybe lost weight that wasn't important. I've kept my muscle on. Um, yeah, and I just feel better than I ever have. 
what's what's uh, intriguing to me is just the variety of things you've done this year. When I look at you know the Super League arena games, right? That you're you're putting yourself out there to go in something like that. These are these are WTS athletes, and that's what they do. And you end up getting second there. And then you know you had the the trials for swimming, and you got what second in the fifteen hundred meters in, in that, and. Then, you know, then you're doing Super League again this weekend. The, the variety has been, do you find that by focusing on, hey, I've got Super League coming up. I've got to be, I've got to be able to be sharp. I've got to be fast. I've got to have fast twitch stuff. I bet that's been transferring to your longer workouts and, and training as well. Yeah, for sure. I think I've always maybe been a slightly different long course athletes, maybe other athletes in that I enjoy doing high intensity training. So I've probably always done a bit more of that than maybe other long course athletes that I've trained with. So maybe that does help me a little bit. I think obviously my swimming background, although I was a distance swimmer, a lot of that training was high intensity as well. Um, but it, I like to keep myself on my toes. I like to challenge myself. I like to definitely put myself out of my comfort zone and, I think actually by mixing it up, I'm just going to have a much longer career in this sport because I'm not tied down to one thing. I can go and experiment and play around a bit and say, hey, actually, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go do Super League and maybe it might not go perfectly. I might not win. I might might make some mistakes, but what does it really matter if I'm having a great time and I'm learning on the go? So, um, yeah, I've been having so much fun this year. I've just literally grabbed every opportunity that I can. When I was watching the Olympics and I'm watching Flora Duffy win the gold medal, I'm thinking back to Leeds and going, wait a second. Uh, Lucy went 156.50 there and Flora Duffy went 155.26. So she's like one minute and 24 seconds behind the gold medalist. Right? You look at that and go, huh, maybe I should do more of these WTS races. Yeah, I mean, Leeds really surprised me. Like it was another one of those things where I was like, this really could go either way and I could have a disastrous race and think, why did I do this? But I actually, I loved it. And I, I really, like I said, I did not expect to be in the top five in that race and behind Flora Duffy, who I'm a huge fan girl of Flora Duffy. Like I was like, Oh my God, I'm actually going to be in a race with Flora Duffy. Um, and then obviously, yeah, like you said, watching her in the limp, in the Olympics, absolutely dominate when she got on that run and just run yeah. away to the gold medal. It, it definitely put some questions in my mind of should I be giving this more of a shot? And actually, I think I, I haven't kind of been shy about it. I definitely want to try and make the Paris Olympics. And I do believe I have the ability to go there and medal and maybe potentially get the gold medal. So it, it's another thing that I want to try. And obviously, we have so much strength and depth in Great Britain that actually just getting on start lines is so difficult because we have so many phenomenal athletes. And even here in St. George, you just saw the depth that yes. we have. I think we had five athletes in the top 10. Yes, so there's definitely something in the water in Great Britain. We have uh, a lot of talented athletes. So European 70.3 championship, you break the course record, 359.57, win there. And then you come and obviously win 70.3 worlds. Uh, and now I'm, I'm, you know, the sub eight. Uh, that's a cool, uh, again, you talk about liking variety and liking things that are different. And you're going against Nicolas Spirig, or, you know, Olympic gold medalist from 2012 and just such a dominant athlete. I'm guessing that you're really looking forward to next April to going head to head there. 
Yeah, I mean, when I heard about the Sub 8 project, I was instantly intrigued and really wanted to play a part in it because it's history in the sport. It's something that's going to just bring an entire new audience to triathlon and anything like that has got to be great for the sport. So I love the uniqueness of the event because I get to select 10 women to be part of my team to help me break the eight hours. So that in itself just brings a whole new dynamic. It's tactical. We can do things that normally aren't within the rules of triathlon. So looking at different technology for wetsuits, for the bike that I'm riding, having pacemakers, when am I going to bring them in on the course? How am I going to utilize these women? Can I find an athlete who can swim faster than me to help me go faster <laughs> in that swim? My <laughs> it's all <laughs> different. <laughs> Yeah, how are you going to find somebody to freaking swim uh, to swim in front of you for two points? One thing to find a hundred meter, a couple hundred meter person, but somebody fast enough for for two point four. Now, could they relay in front of you, or oh, they could? Yeah, yeah. So that is an option, but I think probably the bike is where I would want to utilize most of the women yeah. and bring them in, and that they don't have to do the whole section. They could come in for ten miles and then go off and come back on. So. There's so many different ways you can approach this. Um, I have actually been speaking with Christian Blumenfeld, who's racing as well, um, to try and tap into some of the ideas that he has. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a very friendly project as well. Like, obviously, Alistair's uh, part of the project as well. Right. So we're, without kind of trying to steal each other's ideas, we're bouncing off each other to say, oh, hey, this could work really well. What do you think to this? I think. Ultimately, all of us are backing one another and we want someone in the men to go sub seven and at least someone in the women to go sub eight. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting project. And all your pacers have to be women. Yes. Yes. So I have to use all women and the men have to use all men. Gwen Jorgensen might not be bad for part of that run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I think the main thing kind of with the run is. Obviously, they need to be able to run quick. But on that particular discipline, I think the key thing is going to be keeping it positive, keeping me in a good headspace. Like they they need to talk a lot or say the right thing at the right time. And obviously, they can do things that hold my nutrition. And yeah, there's, there's different ways you can utilize those athletes. So um, yeah, like I said, there's so many ways we can approach this. And you don't really very often, because you're usually off the front, you don't really run with other people, right? In a race, you're, you're sort of by yourself. You, you think you'll like running with a group of people or will that drive you a little crazy? Oh, it's a good point because actually sometimes uh, when I run with my husband race in training, actually if he's just that little bit quicker where you feel like you're not quite doing your pace, you're just clinging on all the time, it actually can make it harder. So it's definitely going to be, I think with every discipline, you're going to want to practice with those athletes to so get used to the exact way people ride, the exact pace we're actually going to want to run on this. Um, so yeah, it, it could be positive, but also like you said, yeah, if they're just running that tiny bit too quick and you're feeling stressed, then it's not going to put you in a positive headspace. So yeah, it's all to think about. This weekend, you get another matchup with Flora Duffy the gold medals at Malibu. You pretty excited about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if there's anyone to learn off, then it's definitely the Olympic gold medalist. And if I want to be looking at meddling in Paris, then I'm going to need to be trying to keep up with these kind of athletes. So um, yeah, I'm super excited. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of Flora. I'm a huge fan of 
tons of the short distance athletes. So it's just nice to be able to mix it up with athletes in different disciplines. The other thing that's been intriguing about your career is Reese had really no background in training a triathlete, right? He was a swimmer. I think his dad was a boxer. Uh, and just sort of this partnership that you guys have created where you're a little bit of a guinea pig and, and he's been learning, right? Learning from, from you and you learning from him. Uh, were there points where you might have questioned, hey, does Reese know what's going on here? Or has it been pretty smooth sailing the whole time? Yeah, for the most part, it's definitely been pretty smooth sailing. I think the great thing with Reese is that he's always seeing what I'm doing day in, day out. And actually, he often believes in me more than I believe in myself. So sometimes he will get me to do something where I'm like, I can't do and then go into the session and I'm able to do it and I surprise myself and he's like see I told you you could do it this whole time um so yeah it's I think that's more more been the point the whole way along and actually uh this year we took on another coach so uh, we're working with Dan Larang as well um just to have that another external set of eyes looking upon what I'm doing and he was also really intrigued with how I want to manage doing the long distance and trying to go to the Olympic Games as well, which obviously he has a ton of experience with Jan Fredino doing the Olympic distance and then coming up to long course. So um, when he reached out to us, we were like, you know what, this can only be a positive for us to have two sets of eyes rather than one. Um, me and Reese are always open to learning. Like we, we never have ever thought we know everything. Um, we always feel like you might as well learn from the best in the sport. So um, that's been a, a big change this year, but I feel like it's also taken a small amount of pressure off of Reese. Um, he's there day to day watching. He's able to feed back to Dan as well um, and adjust the plan on the go. But for the most part, I just have a plan and I can follow it. So it's actually been a little bit easier, I think. So any full Ironmans coming up for you? Well, hopefully there's going to be Kona soon. I think In February, that's obviously yeah. the that's the big question on everyone's mind is, is it going to happen in Feb? Is it going to happen somewhere else? Um, hopefully it will. If it, if it doesn't, then I think my main focus will be on the sub eight project. Um, but also I definitely want to get onto some short course start list because I want to start getting enough points so that when we get to 2022 and 2023, I'm actually able to race enough so that then the potential to qualify for Paris is far more likely. So yeah, it's going to be probably a lot of change coming up quite soon, but I definitely want to be able to race a Kona before I start doing the pursuit to make the Olympics. The hard part on the WTS side, since you guys are so deep on the woman's side, getting starts at a WTS race is going to be really difficult, even though you could be ranked, you know, sixth, seventh in the world and still not get a start because you have so many great athletes. Yeah, for sure. So in Great Britain, I believe I'm ranked about eighth at the moment. And it's the top five in each nation that can make start lists. So at the moment, I'm on some wait lists to see if I can race. Um, and that's why I need to start getting points so that I am in that top five. And I can actually say, hey, I want to race there. I want to race there. And I can go and do it rather than you find out like five days, six days before, hey, Lucy, you're now on the start list, which is exactly what happened to me in Leeds was that I was on a wait list. And then 10 days before the race, they were like, oh, Lucy, you're in now. And I was like, oh, wow, like I've got no time to prepare, but here we go. So 
I don't really want to keep being in that situation. I want to have enough time to prepare for races so that I can deliver my best performance at these events. So during COVID times, I think you and Reese did such a phenomenal job of recognizing that, hey, world has changed. Uh, there's not going to be any races. Let's create a pain cave. Let's do all sorts of fun stuff. Let's do virtual racing. Whatever's out there, we're going to do. And I think you and you created such a great buzz around yourself and about everything you were doing and embracing virtual right out right from the beginning. How important is that, like Zwift type of racing? You feel that has helped you through in terms of where you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, I get so much from riding Zwift all the time. Anyway, I've always been an avid user of actually riding indoors and felt that I got so much more from that. But during the lockdown, we got involved in a lot of the um, Z Pro racing series, which was super high intensity work um, where they actually brought in the run as well. So we was able to do like, I think one of the weeks was like basically free 10 to 15 minute efforts of work where you were trying to win against the best triathletes in the world were getting involved. So it, it was really, really fun, actually. It was absolutely brutal, but we did enjoy it. And actually, we got such a buzz, even though we were locked down and it was because it was pretty much the only thing that was happening at the time. So I think a lot of that actually transferred into the shorter distance racing that I was doing. It just was high intensity, but I also got a lot that then transferred over to my kind of middle and long distance racing as well, because I just felt like I was getting so strong from working so hard week in, week out, but actually having fun doing it at the same time. So while we were standing at the top of the hill, Heidi uh, and I were standing there watching on the second lap and Heidi turns to me and goes, she's getting another dog. <laughs> <laughs> Because you were going to win in the back in the day when in 2019, it was like you were in second place where you finished. If you won, you got two dogs. Second place, you got a dog. Third, you got nothing. You got passed and you're in third place. You passed Sarah Carly back and got your dog, Lola. And Heidi's like, okay, she's winning world championship. She's going to get at least one more dog. So, so what's the scoop, <laughs> dog or no dog? Oh, we, uh, my mum and dad, we, we FaceTimed them after the race. And one of the first things they said was, you're not getting another dog <laughs> because they obviously, they look after Lola when we go away to train and to race. And actually we've been away from home for pretty much the last three months. I've had about one day at home. So Lola's been with my mum and dad for the last three months and she's pretty well behaved, but they wouldn't want to have another dog. They already have their own dog as well. So they already have two. They're like, we're not having three dogs in this house. So I think we're going to have to wait a little while longer, maybe until you, after triathlon then. Until you win your gold medal or you win Ironman World Championship. Then then you can add another. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One other thing that probably a lot of our viewers don't realize is that you were kind enough to come on with us to uh, let Kinnan Brown, one of our amputee women, who was hit by a car and ended up losing her leg below the knee. And she got her prosthetic leg. Uh, and you were on the call when we gave her a prosthetic leg. And two weeks ago, she did a sprint triathlon <laughs> with her prosthetic leg. And it was a maiden voyage. But you've been so kind. And one, coming on the call and then sending her that uh, note online. Uh, obviously, this is a very selfish sport. It's one of those sports where you swim, bike, and run all the time. But you've, you give back. And how important is that for, to you? 
Oh, you know what is so important? I think the thing with triathlon is it it's such a small community. And when you hear stories like Kinnan's that is actually so inspiring, even for me as a top level pro triathlete, just hearing how she's overcome what she went through and just the struggles and the setbacks and how mentally resilient she is to have done that. And then, like you said, go and do her first triathlon this weekend. I think she won, didn't she? She, she just, did. She won. First yeah. time out. Sort of like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just, it's so inspiring to hear things like that. And even like at the weekend when I was racing and I was running and I was having the best day of my life, but I still had empathy for the age group triathletes that were descending down the hill in this rain. And I was thinking, I would hate that if that was me and they're doing it and they're getting on with it and they're just still going and striving and getting through it. It's just, I find that so inspiring. And actually it wasn't that long ago that I feel like I was a complete novice in this sport. So I've been there. I've been through the process to get where I am now. So sometimes I still think I am that triathlete that didn't have a clue what she was doing. Um, and yeah, I just, I love this sport and I, I love to hear these stories of inspiring athletes doing what they're doing. I, that's what I, what I tell people all the time. There's very few sports in the world where the best of the world are out there with people who want to be the best in their age group. You know, you can, you can't do that really in swimming. People aren't coming into the pool with you when you're training for the Olympics <laughs> and, and go and swim with you. But people are out there in St. George training and racing on the same course you are at the same time. So there is a bond between, between everybody who's there because you like, your guys are going, I'm running through the hail. I'm running through the rain. Those guys, some of them got pulled out of the water <laughs> with, with the hail and the lightning and they're suffering on the bike and, you know, we can relate to each other. Yeah, for sure. And even they were suffering on the bike in this rain and they're still cheering me on. They're still like willing me on. Like they want, they want me to do well. So it, it kind of just gives you goosebumps when you're running that you're thinking, God, you're out there doing your world championship, but you've still got the energy to put back into me, which is why I feel like I want to give back to those people as well. And to this sport. You do Lucy. Thank you as always for taking so much time. My producer, John was my producer when we used to do this uh, competitor endurance sports award for 25 years, every year we would pick a competitor of the year based on having just a dominant season. If we still had our awards, you would totally hands down be our competitor endurance uh, sports award champion, just because the year you've had has been spectacular and it's been so much fun to watch your growth as an athlete and a person and just you and Reese bring so much good to the sport. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. That means so much, Bob. So yeah, thank you. Lucy Charles Barkley has been our guest. Everybody breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. Check us out online. We'll be back soon. Thank you.